To another episode of Hobbit in Canada. I'm your host Tom, and with me, as always, are Dan, Ward, Mike, Steve. Holy shit! All of us are here. I know. This and might... Jake, and Jake the dog, and, and Jake, and Jake the dog. This might actually be the first time that all five of us have been in the same room in like a month or two. Uh, yeah. That took a second to think about, but yeah, we we've uh, we've been missing one person either due to Nurgle's rot or sexual tension. That's been a huge part of this. I podcast. love that you say sexual tension while you slowly eat a fry. <laughs> uh, well, let's be honest here. There's been a lot of that in this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, it's been uh, heavy. Mm, that's, that's my kind of sexual tension. Anyways, so let's let's jump right into uh, Shut Up and Take My Money. Ooh. Ooh. I thought yeah. we were going to do This Week in Hobby. Yeah, normally we do that, but this week we're doing it differently. So oh, I can't can tell why. Because somebody didn't do something? Oh, no. Okay, I got it. Go ahead. <laughs> For segue reasons. Yeah, yeah, I got uh-huh. it. I said I got it. Um, okay, I'll start. And this is going to be such an easy cop-out. And it's yeah, it's only kind of a uh, shut up and take my money, but wake the dead. I want that new Spirit Seer model real bad. But that's all I want of that. So. And you don't want to wait the extra, like, month to get it? Yeah, but I'm not going to pick it up, probably. But eh, maybe. We'll see. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm waffling on that one. So it's like, There's a be p- less loud and maybe take my money? Yeah, the thing is, I just put in an order for some Forge World stuff. I picked up the two bounty hunters that we talked about and yeah. uh, the Glart. So I'm, I'm, I'm and we we back to back on hobby episodes or on uh, podcast this week. So it's it's you know going to be too expensive otherwise. But uh, for the Wake the Dead thing, what else is in there? Is it Primaris? Maybe? Yeah, so there's some there's some Primaris garbage. How, how it's much? a new lieutenant, right? Yeah. Depending on if I can't remember what the model looks like, but I might grab the lieutenant off you. Do you want all the primaries? We can talk about that later. How much is it even? I don't know, but I do want to. I need a box of guardians, and I need that spirit here. So, gotcha. Mm-hmm. There you go. They get That's you eventually. Who, who's next? It's quiet. Is Tom, really Tom's next. Me? Oh man, mine is so fucking easy. Mm. The new goblins for Night Vault. Oh yeah, yeah baby. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, also, I got a chance to play Night Vault when we were at the uh, painting weekend, and it's a lot of fun. Like it's a lot like Shadespire, but the magic adds like a different mechanic, and yeah. I felt like the the box was actually a little bit more flushed out. Than when Shadespire first launched, like Isn't they've actually uh, aren't they still uh, mixable? Like you can still play both together, can't oh, you? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they are having some updated cards and stuff for the old ones. Okay, you can buy the <clears throat> two starter or the two gangs from the original starter, and those will have the extra cards that you can use, um, as well as they'll release those cards individually. Uh, cool, okay. In a in a separate pack. So. Yeah, the, they've got all of them in like that. I think they come in this uh, <clears throat> card box too, right? The yeah. ones that yeah. are be extra. Yeah. They've shown yeah, yeah. So, cool. Who's next? Damn. Um, I'll go. The easy one is Warhound Titans. They're going to go up for pre-order right away, and I need many boxes of those fuckers. How many boxes? Um, at least two. Probably long run. I'm thinking three might be a thing, just to get more weapon options. Um, because a lot of the 
turbo lasers I need to steal for the carapace mounts on my reavers. Yeah. But I also want turbo lasers on most of the warhounds. Yeah. So I just need more warhounds. Gotcha. That's the answer. But uh, so probably some of those, and I'm starting to look a little bit more at um, some of the Fallout um, blister packs that I don't have are really starting to grow on me. So there's potentially some more super mutants, just so you could do some fun things like the uh, the suiciders with like the little mini nukes. Gotcha. Apparently, people are saying like they are a lot of fun. Basically, they're like um, like a lot of the old fantasy orc things where somebody's gonna die. It could be you. It could be me. Gotcha. Because uh, having little guys sprinting towards the enemy with uh, mini nukes primed to go off, something's going to blow up. <laughs> gotcha. But uh, they're supposed to be pretty fun to work with, so I might grab a few things like that down the road, but it would also help if my order ever showed up from Modiphius for stuff I've already paid for. But hopefully that's any time now, because just about everybody's shipments have gone out. So Nice. So that's me. Take Tom's. Shut up and take my money. Take Dan, shut up and take my money, and put it together. And that's my take my money. Okay. Oh. Night Vault and Warhounds. Yes. Can you use Warhounds in Night Vault? Uh, I don't see why not. <laughs> uh, I feel like if you really want to, you can make anything happen. Absolutely. Because right? isn't, so. isn't it that like, Games Workshop makes the rules, but like we're supposed to go home and in our basement yeah. and find a way to make it work however we want? I yes. think a Warhound uses like magic dice like to the extreme as well, like nine magic dice. I know that Warhounds in 40k are psychers. Very much so. Right? So... Checks mm-hmm. out. Yeah, so I'll be spending all okay, my money on that. Okay, but specifically, what's your favorite Night Vault box coming out? Because well, the next two announced is the Zinch box and the Night Goblin box. <laughs> I like the Zinch. Uh, both of those look really, really good. That's the problem. Um, the Zinch one's so fucking cool. Uh, you the know Zinch what? one doesn't have a pink horror, though. Yeah, well. I was hoping it would have the pink, the two blues, and all the brimstones. Just for, like, maximum chicanery, but... Sure. They'd, since they're charging so little for the boxes, that's not really a thing. Yeah, and it's funny that the goblins are nine, but, like, the zinch is not nine. Like, I figured, like, you'd have, like... Oh, interesting. Because cool zinch aren't fucking goblins, man. Nine zinch models, unless it was just, like, but nine brimstone horrors. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. just nine brimstones. And just one, like, unbelievable psyker. That would be freaking awesome. <laughs> they do have one unbelievable model. That uh, that I think their leader, that caster-looking thing, whatever, with the one eye. Yeah. That's a fucking cool model. Yeah. I quite like the Zangor with the Nodachi-looking blade. Yeah, Zangor's cool, but uh, the Zangor's just nothing new, I guess, in a lot of ways for that aesthetic, so I'm less excited about it, but it is a nice sculpt. I that. think, but overall, out of the two boxes, I'm going to have to lean towards Goblins being a cooler box, for sure. Ooh, so. Not sure I agree with that. Okay. Yeah. You know me, I'm not a fan of the Greenskins. They just need to be exterminated. That's my thoughts. Yes. Well, fuck you! it's october man it is our time it was your time up there oh totally it's our time it's our time down here (laughs) uh mikey uh take tom take dan take ward screw steve yeah mine's really lame Uh, (laughs) yeah i'm getting all the name uh the night vault and the warhounds plus oh oh and i'm adding on i'm getting weapon card deck for the warhounds as well yeah, that's probably going to be necessary because I think the Grandmaster Edition came with three one of each or four. weapon. One of each weapon. But yeah, that's a freaking problem. So yeah. there's going to need to be a lot more um, if you're taking mass warhounds. Yeah, I don't think you need to get more terminals necessarily, no. but certainly card comes packs. with two. Comes with yeah. two terminals. So yeah. Oh, in that case, I will be needing more. I thought it came with more. No, it came with two terminals. I thought the Grandmaster Edition came with ten terminals, not six. But yeah. I haven't double checked. So. You haven't because you got two warlords, you got two reavers, you got two warhounds. 
You got two knights. But oh, because okay. you can do it in a pack, you might not need as many terminals. No, right? I'm pretty sure the warhounds you can. The, the, for the, uh, the the banners, you can. They're a pack. They just give you numbers for the pack number yeah. you're running. Yeah. But for the Warhound, it's individual. Yeah, they, it's they individual can operate slots. as a squadron, but they have separate terminals for each yeah. member of the squadron. Because the if, act, they, the if they separate, they yeah. act independently, but yeah. Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Did Sorry. you even open your box yet? Yeah, it's open. Did you put together anything? Uh, I'm about to have friggin' 12 knights ready to go. Yeah, that's true. He was cleaning the knights. Uh, you bought two boxes? Yeah, because I was going to give you one, and then I kept it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. That's a good solution. I like that. Oh, uh, have they announced any of the knight weapons yet? Are they going to do... Because all the... the nothing everybody's just showing that they have missile hats and stuff like that. So. No. The... Uh, there's rules for the um, for one of the missile variants. Um, you just get like three. I think it's three strength five shots at 18 inches. I don't think the Skyfire one. Yeah. Um, has specific rules yet, but shocking. <laughs> I'm expecting that they might add flyers in one of the expansions. You think they so. actually will? I was gonna say that seems not like something they would do. Well, the game lacks a lot of cheap filler utility units right now. Because okay. like the minimum points cost for um, a viable squad of knights is. Assuming you're allowing yourself any points for weapons, it's like 180 points. Yeah. So there are certain increments in the game, depending on what you're taking, where it's hard to fill those last few points in your list. Yeah. Where if they had, like, a fighter that isn't going to do much, it's not, it doesn't have the firepower of a Titan, like, not even close. Yeah. But it could be, a, like, a harasser unit, right? Yeah. So I think they they might add so flyers. Equivalent to of a knight, just with more mobility, probably less survivability. Oh, I think if you can hit them, they will just go poof. Yeah. Because a lightning or a thunderbolt would not have uh, any kind of durability against Titan-class weaponry, but hitting it would be extremely <clears throat> difficult. Yeah. So it would also give a little bit more of a role for some of the weapons like the um, uh, the Gatling Cannon on the Knights, which basically can't hurt fucking anything right now. Yeah. But it, if it could hit a plane, you have multiple shots. Maybe you're like hitting on sixes like 40k used to be. Who knows? Um, yeah. But those low-strength shots might actually be able to do something. Yeah. Because they're too weak even to knock down shields, apparently. So. Oh, really? Yeah, you need apparently strength four to knock down shields, and uh, the Avenger cannons on knights, strength three. Hmm, that's kind of funny. Yeah, so I'm thinking just for the like, some purpose for those multi-shot weapons, because right now they're kind of lacking, Yeah. Um, then spamming shots at flyers might be uh, something they're good at. Yeah. But that's, but that's down the road. Right now they basically just said they want to add some of the more class, classes, like the... Um, the, what is it, like the Popurion or whatever the hell? The, Porphyrian. Like the, big, the big fatty one? Yeah, the Porphyrian. And um, some of the, like the Lancers and stuff like that they want to add too. So. Yeah, makes sense. So they will potentially be doing all kinds of stuff like that down the road, but uh, as with everything uh, Titanicus expansion related, they're basically wink-wink, nudge-nudging it. Like, it will happen at some point, cool. but no details, so. Nice. We should move on to this week in hobby. Yeah, I'm going to go last. Why? Okay, I'm not gonna do that to you. I know. Yeah. <laughs> For a direct segue, reason. just ask why all the time now. <laughs> yeah. Why? why are we doing that? Why are we doing that? Why? Um, okay, so I'll start. Um, this week in hobby is a shorter week because we talked about it last week as well. Um, well, three of us did. Yeah, three of us did. But I did uh, get a whole bunch of work done on um, El- Eldrad. Uh, so that's the new version of him because I already have one of the old ones painted up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a super cool model. It's a lot of fun. I like the I like the new character models that uh, GW is doing, just like the one-off sort of, um, yeah, blister pack style stuff. It's just they're a lot of fun. So, got a bit of work on that uh, done, and uh, I think I already mentioned this, but I finished off the racks too. So, 
Ponkill's Coven stuff is done. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mikey, let's just go Yeah, sure. In the circle. I got it. Um, I finished off one Warlord, um, six knights, and I'm almost finished the two Reavers, like, so close, it's not even funny. Like, I have to do the missiles, a couple lenses. That's not so bad. <laughs> so, like, you're going to finish them off tomorrow? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> oh, and I built another Warlord. <laughs> so there's two two more ready to go. Are you doing the second Warlord with the same <clears throat> uh, Legio? No. no? I, I bought, that's why I bought another Warlord. So the two Warlords in that Legio will be with Mortis instead of Esterum. Oh, nice. Starting to move into multiple factions already. Yeah. That's perfect, because I want to play Legio Mortis. I don't want to pay for Titanicus. There you go. <laughs> so you're speaking my language, Mike. I know. I, I'm really, really talking to you, right? I just feel like I, I'm in my head. I'm imagining you're just going to make the, the. I am effing sexy right now, right? Come well, on. No, but I'm picturing uh, like well, what? you just really? giving wow. the Mortis models like all the bad guns <laughs> and being like, no, it's just how they came. <laughs> Actually, they got the better guns. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. But uh, the fun thing, too, is the, the game doesn't allow you to mix Legios within the same force, so. So you can do it, you just give your opponent more stratagem points when you do that. Oh, cool. Yeah, like the way it should work, 40k. But anyways, let's, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ordo. Uh, I finished cleaning a whole bunch of knights now, it's just assembly, uh, so I will have 12 knights all said and done at the 12 end. 12 or 9? Mm, 12, because you get six in the starter and then two other boxes, right? So oh, you bought two boxes. Yeah, oh, two okay, boxes. Guys. He was going to go with nine and give you three. Yes. Now he just that has we 12. Would, that we would both have nine, but I said no. So I, just, <laughs> <coughs> I just kept it, so I'll have 12 <clears throat> total. Um, yeah, so I've been working on that. I've been, uh, I did some airbrushing on some of the new um, Imperialis terrain. Uh, that came out. I got a bunch of the like ruins, so I started Ooh, airbrushing nice. some of those. I'm trying to go with the the color of the like the box set. Actually, I really like it. I typically don't go that route, but um, yeah. GW, you know, their paint style is is super bright and doesn't have like a lot of the the crazy fades and stuff like that. That like um, uh, Infinity and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Does but I think for their terrain they actually do a really good job. It works well. And these ones I think actually <clears throat> they do look a little bit more airbrushed than most of the Citadel stuff. Sure. Because I'm guessing they were probably just trying to get a lot of it done quickly. Yeah. Most likely, yeah. So and I also decided on a color scheme for my knights. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna go and paint them like Galactus from the comic Ooh. books. Ooh, that's kind of cool. So like a huh. bright blue, pinky purple. Sort yeah. Of, just uh, go with some wild colors you don't typically paint, kind of yeah. thing. Yes. Nice. Yeah, so mix That'd it up fun. a little bit. Are you so gonna paint your knights silver? Nope. And give them surfboards. <laughs> you should give them. No, uh, they are. They will not be. So you should give them like the same style, like uh, of the the forty k knights. So they actually have a surfboard, like the ovals. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Um, and yeah, that's been about it. I've been, uh, unfortunately busy with uh, a lot of other stuff currently, so planning and all that other jazz. But hey, you know what? Yeah. You still did stuff, and you put paint on things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Hobby win. Nice, Dan. Um, not a heck of a lot to report since last time, because again, I was one of the ones who was actually here last week. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there is a yet another Raven Guard veteran that's done, uh, for the Hobby oh, Weekend. Sick. Most of the time that I was painting stuff, I was doing... Um, I did not Stur- expect you to paint up a Raven Guard model. It was That's a Stern Guard guy with Heavy Flamer, because I've wanted nice. to have that for actual gaming purposes for a long time. Nice. I had one Stern Guard Heavy Flamer, um, but I wanted two. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
both for that and also if I ever do play the Heresy games, having one of the squads infiltrating around in a rhino with the two heavy flamers shooting out, it's kind of fun. Yeah, totally. Makes sense. That's um, cool. What so else yeah. did you get done? Um, I didn't put too much other paint to models uh, during the painting weekend. We did like some of the like speed painting, yeah, kind of fun stuff along the way. So there was some of that which we can talk about later. Um, but yeah, a little bit more work done on the reverse as well. I'm doing the trying to get the um, technical GW technical crackle paint stuff on the armor plates because the Ember Wolves, as they got more corrupted, their armor started like getting that split like lava field kind of effect on it. Yep. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit... I'm trying to go subtle on it, which is half the problem right now. Because if you try to go subtle with texture paints, they don't always crack. Yeah. So it is proving to be a bit of a pain in the ass getting consistent results. But I'm trying, oh, to, yeah, get, totally. uh, I'm trying to get that effect down um, so that I can have that like subtle transition to the heresy um, imagery. And I might also use a couple of my etched brass icons that I have left over from some 40k stuff back in the day. Yeah. I might put some of those on there as well, but... Uh, yeah, so fiddling around with, with that has been pretty time-consuming because you generally wait, like, multiple hours to see if the paint is going to crack the way you want. And if it doesn't, you have to scrape it all off and try again. Yeah. So it is super time-consuming. But, uh, I mean, when you only have to paint, like, less than 10 models in that style, it's not so bad, but there will be headaches. There will be many headaches in my near future. Makes sense. I, I have no doubt that's something I would not undertake. Tom. The chaos team was done for last episode, right? I have the same thought. I have no idea what I painted. Yes, it was. Were you here last episode? Yeah. Because it was before you. Yeah, went. I think that was like immediately before the recording. So. That's right. It was last oh, okay. Yeah, 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 okay. So that was done. Um, but <laughs> at the painting weekend, I painted up the AMSA beaver bus that I've had for like a year or two. Yep. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, Looks cool. Yeah, and then last night... I got home from Blood Bowl at like 10 o'clock, and I'm like, I want to paint something, but I don't know what I want to paint. And I was rummaging through like old models I had, and I found a 54 millimeter Spock yep. from Andrea Miniatures, and I was like, let's do this. <laughs> Super random, but it turned out fucking awesome. So, yeah, I painted him up last night and uh, got him all based up. Like, it was from cleaning to primer to dull coating and everything was maybe four, four and a half hours. It's not bad. So it's not bad at all. It was really fun, just kind of like slapping some paint down, not trying to go too hard on anything, just making it have like a cool, cohesive look. Yeah, and I think it worked out. I and agree. my first time ever painting makeup on a model. Gotta get those smoky eyes. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a point. Uh, yeah, I never even thought about it that way. Like you, I, yeah, you paint faces like so. Uh, defined when in this scale that you kind of already do makeup, I guess, in some ways, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're hard contouring. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was actually... But I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. One of the best pieces of advice that I've ever heard, I was texting with Dallas from Privateer Press yeah. um, earlier today, and he was saying that what he does is watches um, drag queens' makeup videos. <laughs> To, that makes sense. To learn how to, like, contour and shape faces. That's not what I would have, ex- would have expected you to say right there, but it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, like, is it? Yeah. if anyone's ever watched RuPaul's Drag Race, like, you would learn a lot from those dudes. And not only that, also some uh, life lessons. And the show's just fun. I've heard that. I actually haven't seen it. Oh. Anyways, so, segueing in, um, the AMSA paint weekend was just happened a couple days ago, and... I'd say it was actually a pretty big success. 
Because we had, agree. you know, we set up to have 20 people was kind of our hard cap. So it was just you and Dan that went uh, from the podcast. But how yeah. many people were actually there? 20. 20. So you, they filled up entirely. There was no dropouts, nothing? There were dropouts, but uh, as dropouts happen, they waiting, waiting, lists. waiting lists. Yeah. Nice. It's awesome. And there was one spot that we're like, we're not sure if it was going to get filled, not sure if it was going to get filled. And then at like 10 a.m. on the Saturday, one of the Red Deer guys was just like, yeah, let's do this. So he jumped so in. So he jumped in. We had the full 20. Um, nice. It was really cool to see because there was a good mix of people who have been painting for a long time, yeah. people who have just started painting, people who mostly paint like busts and large figures, uh, people who paint armies, like all across the board. So a lot of people were talking, as, sharing ideas. As well as a few folks like Lane that uh, he was <clears> saying <throat> he hadn't picked up a brush in like 10 years since he worked at GW, mm-hmm. and he was out painting models again, which is really cool to see. I, ra- I ran into Lane on the Friday, and he's just like, I'm just buying paints for this weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, good luck. <laughs> so, but he was, he was really excited. Rust. He was excited, though, to go down and, and cool. uh, yeah, put some paint on models, so. Seems like everyone had a really good time. Um, holy shit, the swag bags. Yeah, it just kind of never stopped. Yeah, like, Dallas didn't really, like, make bags or anything. He just, like, in the, a couple hours after we started up, was just, like, walking around the circle of painters, just being like, here you go, here you go, here you go. And it started off with, like, I think the first thing was maybe a koozie. So, like, started he started with a slow, slow burn? Yeah, it was, like, a koozie and then a paintbrush. Yeah. And then there was the the paint hold, like the model holder from G-Dub that was donated by Roy at Thunderground. Thanks again. Then there was these Blackheart uh, miniatures busts. And then there was... There was the little bust thingy too, right? Like the little dwarfy guy? Oh, shit. Yeah, that thing. I can't remember who made that, though. <laughs> uh, like the little magnet. Yeah. Yeah. And the Blackheart ones, you got the Morticia... Uh, no, this uh, is the vamp- Vampira or whatever. Oh, and then what? there was another one? There was, like, the Vampire Lady, there's Morticia, there was the oh, okay. um, the Mummy, which was modeled after the, the Mummy from the new Tom Cruise Mummy movie. Okay. Um, and I think there was maybe one or two others, but the company has dozens of busts, and they're all typically based around, like, horror movies or popular culture stuff. Yeah, they had some, like, vampires and Nosferatu guys and stuff like that, so... That's nice. that's pretty cool, actually. And the neat thing about them is that they're twenty bucks US, and they come with a little plinth. Yeah, so, which is super reasonable. Which, in terms of like, they're pretty simple busts. But I think if you were wanting to have busts to like really work on, just like I want to work on contouring faces, or I want to work on some light sourcing. My thought was this is a this is a practice model one hundred percent. I don't think you would ever like. And again, a lot of these things, like, we, I, I find I talk a lot about, like, is this a competition piece? Who gives a shit? That's fun. Fun to paint up. And that's kind of the thing. Like, I remember when I took the, the Banshee class back in the day, and he had his anonymous busts. And he's like, these are perfect for practicing techniques yeah. and just, like, sketching in a couple hours. But he charges 30 fucking euros for them. Yeah. So I'm not going to drop, like, 30 <clears throat> euros for two hours of entertainment when I could spend the extra two or, like, yeah, a little I mean, more time. At the same time, when you also think about it, though, like... It, it, if you were to, like, put that into the context of, like, getting a, I don't know, a golf lesson or something like that, right? That's about the same for, like, an hour. For but like if you practice. have a comparison of you can get yeah. a golf lesson for $20 or a same quality golf lesson for $40, which one are you going to pick? Yeah, no, totally. I, I get that. Like, I, I don't I don't disagree. I'm just saying the Banshee stuff is nice. Some of the, I would I would argue that there's probably a slightly better sculpt than that. Oh, it, it's got a little bit more character for sure. Yeah. But the other thing, too, is it's 30 euros 
before shipping. Yeah, true. Whereas this is 20 U.S., and it's shipping from the States. Yeah, not bad. I'll, I'll right? do that all day. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, it's comparably half the price, right? Yeah. Um, nice and they're pretty cool. They got a bunch of different styles. <laughs> Anyways, and then apparently there's also some models from Black Sun coming. Um, some of their, like, 28, 32 mil models. Coming, just, like, what do you mean? They did not ship in time. Oh, so, like, everybody that went will get these as well. Yeah, two more. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... How much are the tickets? 100 bucks. That's not bad. And at, and Dallas got a liquor license, so he was selling beers for 3 bucks a pop. And you also got two beers with the price of admission. Yeah, it's not, that's pretty solid. <laughs> like, it was really good, and there was food in the evening on the Saturday that was all part of the everything. So Part of your ticket as well? We should probably also mention the um, the brushes were... I can't remember the name of the company, but they're the Bombwick brushes. Okay. That um, I actually had another friend of mine, literally like less than a week ago, he sent me a link to these brushes and was like, have you ever heard of these? Are these any good? And at the time, I had not heard of them, but now i got a free one to try out, so... We yeah. will hopefully have a bit of a review for those coming up because, um, as I think we've mentioned on the podcast once or twice, um, Kalinsky Sable brushes are getting harder and harder to find. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the supply is being quite restricted due to some endangered species bullshit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so anybody else that has these brushes in stock, whereas Series 7s are becoming an endangered species of their own. Yeah. Um, sometimes, yeah, you have to look for other I know, alternatives. I know I've been buying GW brushes and they're hit and miss, even their artificial yeah. stuff, and they're so expensive. Yeah, and these Bombic rushes are considerably cheaper than Series 7s, but they're also a Kalinsky, supposedly, so... Nice. I'm really curious to see how they turn out, because I've heard, you know, pretty solid things about them, and, uh, yeah, just want to give them a try. Cool. So you got the brushes as well? Yeah. So, and also he got a... He um, presumably bought, like, a large bottle of Flow Improver and bottled it into Little Dropper bottles and put, like, a little AMSA logo on it. Nice. So, like, all, all said and done, there was a uh, bust, uh, resin magnet to paint, two 28mm models, the <clears throat> model holder. Um, did I say the brush yet? Yeah. Prob- well, if not, we were just talking about yeah, it. Yeah, if not, there's the brushes and the, uh, um, man, what? <laughs> Floor improver. Like, there was just so much stuff. So, for 100 bucks, And box, was- boxes of Halloween candy for snacking. Yep. Yeah. So not only was there, like, a lot of fun and engagement and learning, but, like, damn, like, you probably got close to 100 bucks for the product. <laughs> nice. It's all. Awesome. Um, which is really cool. Uh, all because of the hard work that Dallas does to network with different manufacturers and everything else. So, A.K.A. buying them beers at Gen Con? Yeah, pretty much. That's, <laughs> that's how most business works. I don't, I don't really see the difference there. Yeah, yeah exactly, right? Yeah. But it was one of those things where I kind of, I was hoping... That it was going to be a similar atmosphere to whenever we go to the painting classes. Yeah. Where everyone's kind of like really joking, having a good time, shooting the shit, mm. almost learning as much or more from each other than they are from the actual instructor. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like that's kind of what ended up happening. I was going to ask about that. Was was there like uh, everybody just sort of like quietly working on their own stuff or was it like... There was a lot of banter. Like a, a lot. lot. Was there a lot of like um, people helping out other people with techniques, that kind of oh, stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tons. there was... Okay, cool. It's awesome. Yeah, there were lots of folks brought down um, some products that not everybody's seen before. Like uh, Bob brought a bunch of Scale 75 paints, including dozens of their different metallics, because they have a few of the ranges that are all the like dirty golds and some of the like, you know, just various other shades that you don't normally get. And he yeah. was showing off some of those. And he had some uh, previously painted models that he was working on 
Um, just like with examples of like the Viking gold and some of the other colors. Yeah. So there was that. Um, I know Kevin had a lot of his Vallejo um, weathering effects products there. So I got to chat with him a bit about those because I haven't had a chance to try those out yet. Yep. Um, but yeah, there were a number of guys that um, yeah had these different products and most people were like, yeah, if anybody wants to try them out, like just let Give me know and I'll toss you a couple bottles and away you go. That's awesome. And yeah, there was people airbrushing, there was people doing all kinds of different stuff and a lot of a lot of people just asking for tips and techniques and demos and stuff along the way, which is really cool to see and lots of chance of more contrast <laughs> echoing back and forth around the room. Yeah, it's always the way it is. I love I love how whenever you paint yourself and you're looking under the light all the time, you put the contrast into a model, it seems like it has the most contrast you could have possibly ever created. And then somebody else sees it and like more. And that was, <laughs> you know also, I mean? th- and that was also a throwback to uh, one of the painting lessons. Oh, right? was there? Okay. Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I always get that with my own stuff. Like with other people <laughs> saying, it's kind of funny. But yeah, so we definitely had, there was definitely a lot of that, uh, you know, banter back and forth across the room and... Lots of, you know, random bullshit, lots of constructive criticism, everything in between, so. Cool. Yeah, and it was really neat, too, because it was set up um, like a circle, so we're all looking at each other. Yeah. Um, and having that uh, strip down the middle where everybody could walk through and, you know, everything was pretty handy. Not just for accessing, like, power cords to get your lamps plugged in, which, which it was also awesome for. Yep. But just so you can, like, walk around a little bit more easily and uh, all that sort of a thing. Uh, and then there was the speed painting. <laughs> so Steve Knox decided he wanted to do something to mix up the weekend. So at like, fuck, was it like eight o'clock at night we started this thing? I don't even know, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit of a blur at that point. Um, and they're like, all right, we're doing a speed painting competition. And so I, he puts these cups um, like face down in front of us with a miniature underneath. And he's like, all right, you're going to have to paint this model. And you get 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, okay, I can do the model in 20 minutes. And, of course, he's like, and for the first round, he's going to be uncomfortable with it. But the second round, we're going to be adding in some buck wild shit. Some cutthroat kitchen type shit. Okay. <laughs> so we start the first round, and we all got these, like, chibi models. Presumably they were, like, Super Dungeon Explorer kind of thing. Or they're stuff from the same style, yeah. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And not even, like, a minute, and he's like, oh, joke's on you. We're going to do some bullshit this round. And he had um, foam brushes. And the way you would do it is you would say, like, all right, I'll take five minutes off my time to give someone else a foam brush. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, <laughs> so this one, Mike Richardson, as soon as, as soon as we hear go, the compressor goes on. He has an airbrush at his table. Yeah. And... Everyone's just like, oh my what God. the <laughs> fuck was that? So the second we find out about this, Dallas is like, I'm turning off that airbrush. <laughs> Takes the five-minute hit and gives him a foam brush. That's awesome. And then I was getting some like good headway on my base coating. And Steve's like, someone's got to stop Tom, so they give me this foam brush. And I hadn't done any of the detail work. At that point, all I'd really done was like get the base coat down on the model. Yeah. And the plan was to do like some quick washes, like to do all the detail work, yeah. do some washes and let it dry and call it a day. Yeah. And here I am with one of those like big foam brushes that are basically like two I know, inches exactly, by yeah. three inches. I know 100% right? the ones that you're And about. so immediately I'm just like, fuck this and start ripping it apart. So I can use like little pieces to like dab and like I tried to paint eyes with it and it did not work. Shocking. The, the part that worked the worst out of the whole process was when I went to do the wash at the end. 
Yeah. Because foam brushes are not good at delivering washes. In fact, I'd argue they're the worst. Yeah, they would just absorb it and not even remotely apply, apply. anything to the yeah. model. So my solution was to take that cup that he gave me that had the model in it, just start squirting inks and fucking flow improver and water and a bit of matte, fin- like matte finish into this thing and literally dip the model. And I'm a little horrified. <laughs> It actually worked out okay. It worked out okay, and my favorite part is that the mix actually was so good that I found some, there was an empty dropper bottle, so I bottled yeah. it. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I wasn't actually wasting anything. So but you got the secret sauce going? Yeah. That's funny. Because it was basically my, like, purple plus black plus brown ink. Yeah. I think because I was not sure how it would react with a dipping format with inks, I threw some of the GW washes in there. <laughs> um... Maybe there's some mixing medium, some matte medium, some flow improver, some... Yeah, it was just... It smelled horrible. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> like, at one point someone's like, dare you to drink it, and it was just like, uh this is obviously toxic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was really fun. Um, we had a round two... With Termagants. With Termagants. I saw some photos of this on the intertubes. Yeah? Yeah. It's all just specifically Barry stuff, but I'll let you continue on. Um, so, I didn't, I didn't get fucked in this one. I don't think you got fucked though. Yeah, I got one of the big foamy brushes. Well, wasn't it the? Like, Those weren't oh, right, no, brushes. sorry, it was the yeah, it was what was he calling them? The chip brushes or yeah. whatever. But basically, now they're like two inch wide. Yeah, like know. a house painting brush. Yeah, but of the dollar storyest quality. Yeah, yeah, the worst. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was actually funny. Almost everybody who ended up getting that type of brush, everybody had the same instinct to flip it over and paint with the handle, because it kind of comes to that like, you know, beveled point, right? So people were like, I can kind of paint straight lines with this ish. That's so funny. I painted a termagant with the butt end of a brush. It was great. And I, I decided I was going to get a little bit brazen. Uh, I had a heat gun beside me. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to paint this Termagant, and I'm going to base it. Because I had some texture paints in my tray. Yeah. So I was able to get, like, all the paint on the model, a couple highlights, get the texture paint on and dry brushed. Although I may have... Um, melted the model <laughs> slightly? Melted the model slightly. So well, that was the fine. thing. Did his tail like sag a little bit? And that was it. It was mostly the base because I was like really going after the base to get the texture paint to dry fast enough. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think I had about five minutes left when the texture paint went on. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> makes sense. But yeah, no, that was pretty cool. Uh, all in all, a lot of fun. It was great to be able to just hang out with all the people instead of having to like, oh shit, I spent four hundred dollars. I better listen to this person up front. Yeah. You know, like just getting, and there was a lot of different knowledge from different people, which is what I was really hoping for. Yeah. Um, to, from what I can gather, everyone had a really good time. It was ran super smooth, like Dallas knows how to run events. It was great. So you think this is going to be a more uh, consistent thing going forward? The conversation at this point is like twice a year. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so trying to figure out uh, venues and how big, how many people are we're going to try and go for next time. Well, if you can, kill, if you can uh, guarantee 20, um, there's probably room to grow. The problem is that venues typically, like, yeah. between 20, 20 and 40. Yeah. It, yeah. So you end up paying a lot more. No, totally. It makes sense. So we need, I, I to, like, we need to hit 40 to realistically grow. Because one of the things that we really, tried really hard with this event was to have it in a hotel. Yeah. So that people could just go back to their room or whatever. Yeah. Because one of the problems when you have an event, like, at a store or at a community hall, is that people just fuck off. And then you don't see them again until tomorrow. Yeah. Whereas here, 
we had the room up until midnight. Um, f- we got food in. Like a few yeah. people petered off as the night went on, but for the most part, there was still at least half of us painting until until it kicked us out at midnight. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, I would love to see us be able to grow to forty for the next one. That'd be fun. Like, and you will have a blast. You'll learn a lot. Um, it's a lot of great people. Yeah, go. Yeah, Just it, was, go. I it was definitely pretty solid. It sounded like virtually everybody um, at the event was saying, basically, like, whenever you do version two, we'll be there. So I think the first 20 spots will be very easy to fill. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so let's shift gears. We've talked a lot. Um so something happened in Games Workshop in the last week. So it's my turn to talk a lot is what you're saying? Well, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll interject a lot because I have some strong opinions on it. Okay. But sure. I'll give you an opportunity to, like, get it going. Okay, yeah, for sure. Um, it's a big deal. Yeah, so the the Big Fact 2 just came out. Um, so GW's now said that they're going to do an FAQ uh, twice a year um, to sort of fix up and clean up some of the match play rules. Um, so they're going to do them in uh, April and September. March, I think, maybe March. Anyways, spring, spring and fall. Okay. Um, so along with this particular um, fact, they also did erratas and FAQs for all the um, army books that needed it, all the codexes. So the big things that came out of this particular FAQ is obviously they needed to fix the CP farm stuff that people were doing with guard and knights and that kind of kind of thing. So they've added. Um, uh, I can't remember the exact name of the rule now. This is escaping me. Um, but the the rule is you can only recover one CP per battle round through one of those abilities that allows you to recover CP. So um, before where a guard player reliably could recover their own CP and their opponent's CP two or three a turn minimum kind of thing, now they're limited to one. So those warlord traits still work is kind of the idea, I guess, um, and you can still get your, your CP back. Um... The second part is the reserves rules. So they've been they were had the reserves rules were in beta before. So that was the whole you can't deep strike out of your deployment zone in turn one. Um, they've now changed that to you just can't deep strike at all, no matter what rule you have that allows you to res- arrive from reserves. Can't do that on turn one. You have to wait till turn two. And along with that, because they're trying to really hold back the alpha strike side of things. Um, a, all the stratagems that allow you to like infiltrate, like Stygis 8, Raven Guard, Alpha Legion, that stuff that allows you to just deploy before the first battle round, or during the first battle round, but before the first turn, that really weird yeah. wording, you now get a free 9-inch move um, out of your deployment zone. So you deploy them normally, you play, uh, you pay the stratagem, they move 9. So it's like the old scout rule, where you just get a free yeah. move before the game starts, rather than infiltrate. Yeah, which um, was, I mean, admittedly, uh, I have some thoughts around that one too. Um, I'm not a fan as a Raven Guard player, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I play Admech. The only thing that we really had going was that strat with Stygis 8. So I get it. Um, yeah, poor Dragoons. And then the, yeah, Dragoons and Electro Priests. All the things that I bought. <laughs> glad, yeah. glad, glad you spent all that money. Uh, actually, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. But the other piece is then they increased the cost of certain stratagems. Uh, specifically the knight stratagems, so Order of Companions went up to 4 CP, or sorry, 3 CP, um, which was the House Raven reroll all ones, sh- uh, number of shots, damage uh, to hit and to wound, rolled yeah. one. That went up. The Tyrannus, um, uh, Our Darkest Hour, which is the knight stands back up from the dead, that mm-hmm. went up to 3 CP as well. 
Agents of Vect went up. Agents of Vect went up, which is really interesting. Cause I that also, was that only two? That was it, three. It went up to four. Oh, really? Okay. Is that the first four CP ability? Yeah. Breaking new ground. Yeah, it's pretty pretty heavy. And I mean, yeah, we can, we can talk about that as well. But those are the main takeaways. There's, uh, oh, completely glossed over one that I actually quite like, uh, mm-hmm. which is Fly. Um, fly, you now uh, only get Fly in the movement phase. So you can't fly over enemy models while charging. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and along with that, they also cleared up um, dist- vertical distances while charging. Oh, yeah, for and the zero-inch yeah. charges if you're on different levels of a building. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so they cl- cleaned up that as well, but that's on a, that's on a separate uh, piece of the errata. Yeah. Uh, the big one is the fly rules. And one more. Which one am I missing? You're missing the new stratagem. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. if yeah. you are going second, you can spend two CP for your entire army to get cover. To get cover. Yeah, which is which is interesting. I, li- I like it. Um it also excludes it's fucking great for space marines it excludes all uh, titanic units too so knights yeah. can't take a, take advantage of that so I, I want to just Dan and I had a really good conversation about this on the way down to the painting class okay and as one of my one of my big takeaways from this is that like they're saying soup is off the menu yeah when they're like at the very beginning of their first blog post about this yeah and for me, I don't see how this actually stops soup. Especially in the case of Imperial Knights, I think this is almost making it more imperative for them to take allies, because if all their best abilities got more expensive in CP, and they still really struggle to generate CP on their own, they're still even more reliant on their opponent, or with their allies, rather, to generate their CP to begin with. It just limits their ability to recycle. I don't disagree with that. Because you're still going to take your 180-point guard battalion, because it's going to be effectively five CPs plus six, P, six CPs over the course of the game. So I'm going to counter that. Um, uh, my One of my good friends uh, plays a knight army, and we play regularly. Uh, we've been practicing a ton lately, trying to get our, our competitive game going a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays uh, Castell and Two Gallants, um, and then plays Reboot Gilliman and uh, then a battalion of Space Marines with Scouts and two Tech Priests. Yep. Or, um, not Tech Priests. Tech Marines. Um, so a little bit more expensive than the Guard Battalion, but Gilliman gives you the three extra CPs right off the bat just for showing up. Plus and, the Battalion gives you the five. And then he also gets your CP back on a five. He doesn't get he doesn't get the full Guard benefits of also getting your opponents back, but he also gives you three right off but the bat. But you're still going to see the soup, right? So... Yeah, I had a thought, and I want to just put this out here. Okay, go ahead. If what they're doing is trying to get rid of soup, yeah. What if most of these FAQs mm-hmm. did not apply if all of your detachments were from the same codex? So, for example, Stygies. Yeah. Can be bonkers. Yeah. But if you're not also having like knights and guard and other shit to support your admech army, is it broken? Yeah. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's uh, so. Also, the one thing that I also uh, encourage you to do is try playing a game with the new rules. So we played last night with the new rules. Um, his army that used to be a real tough nut to crack, even with like my Yanari bullshit stuff, um, really went down in power. The number, because the thing is, is you're not getting back the number of CPs you used to, and he played Tyrannus and then, uh, or or Raven, depending on which one he needed to, or was trying to go with. Um, you get to, instead of being able to do Order of Companions every single battle round, right, reliably, now you can't. Because if you're going to take um, 
I want to fire the Oathbreaker siege missiles, and I want to do that with the um, the stratagem that allows me to hit characters. I need a CP reroll here because Gilliman took a hit, or I failed the charge. Right? You're only able to do that. What we found, like he ran out of ran out of command points. He never runs out of command points during the game until like turn five, maybe. Uh, he was out by turn two. It was surprising how quick you run out because they've gone up in in. Um, um, cost and then you also don't get them back I don't disagree that it doesn't discourage soup entirely but we were actually toying around with pure night lists because we think that might be better because you don't have to worry about supporting your marines your marines now instead of just giving you CP to really make the knights over the top now they're a weakness as well they're not really doing much other than creating space yeah but I guess for me the question really comes down to is it addressing the notion of soup in general, or no. is it just targeting the soup we saw? Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, when they're talking about soup, they're talking about deta- yeah, like de- within a detachment. GW is being disingenuous, and I, I agree with this when they say that soup is off the menu. Like, you, they're still encouraging you to take a knight and two Helverans with your Imperial Guard. Like, they're totally encouraging the allies thing. Not And there's two reasons for that. Not only from a fluff standpoint, does that kind of make sense? Because an Imperial Knight really could have been part of the Imperial Guard Codex if they didn't want to roll them out on their own, yep. right? Could have been like a Shadow Sword or some sort of variant of that. Um, they want Assassins to be included in with, um, with your Imperial Armies. Like, that's clearly a thing they want you to be able to do. They just don't want you to take bizarre super character detachments. Like, su- the, the whole soup thing... I agree is disingenuous. Like, pure armies don't get a benefit, and I think they missed the point there a little bit. Yeah, and that's really what I'm coming down to, is I feel like what they're doing is, and ultimately being kind of lazy, where instead of actually looking at what the really specific problems yeah. are and addressing those, yeah. they're making some rules that are more overall just kind of, like, catch-alls. Because uh, little things, like, I'm just, I'm curious. I'm not saying it's necessarily the case, but uh, I haven't seen anyone really complaining about how Imperial Guard pure armies were the end of the world and, yeah. like, wreck, wrecking face of tournaments. Well, the thing is, though... Is but that Imperial Guard pure army is now impacted by that rule for the command points. Yep. Right? Yep. It was... You know, we know they made that because of all of the different detachments. And, and were Raven Guard and Alpha Legion really that scary? Were people really worried about them? Berserkers and Rhinos were terrifying because you could mark them as Alpha Legion Berserkers. That was horrifying. Because the thing is, is those stratagems were... But that's Alpha Legion Berserkers. Like, it's... Yeah, it's, and Stygis 8 um, Dragoons, the Dragoon bombs that I hit people with, I'd feel bad about, because there's literally no skill involved. But again, that's the like, other thing. they can individually target some of these rules, interactions, and stratagems, instead of having a blanket rule that's like, oh, you played a Gene Stealer cult? Lol. Yeah, I, and I mean, <laughs> that they, they explicitly called out that the Codex is coming out soon, and they are going to address that part of the game, but... Yeah. I don't want to particularly play that card, but play the game right now, because I actually do think that they fixed a lot of it. They didn't fix it for the fluff reasons. They fixed the game mechanics themselves. Um, I don't know. I just, I see, and honestly, I'll never be able to fully play test this, because it's a lot of the lists that um, no one already plays, that I'm just curious, like, are they just getting pushed further and further down the scrap heap? I don't think they are, because the thing about a a guard army, guard armies uh, work well for their orders, right? Like, they didn't never really needed a ton of the stratagems in the first place. Their stratagems were always, like, re-rolls and, and things like that. Like, uh, uh, remember, or Honor Cadia or whatever the hell that one was. They used that a bunch. Um, but their stratagems aren't highly CP. Um, 
intensive. And the other thing too, you got to remember some codexes don't have an ability to get CP back, right? So if you have, if you're one of those codexes and you don't have Ultramarines and you're not playing Ultramarines with that particular Warlord trait, you want to play Salamanders, right? Uh, you don't get any CP back. So I get the idea of limiting it that way. And I actually think was a good thing. I just wish there was a bit of a benefit for like, I took Imperial Guard. Yeah, you can still only get one per turn. That kind of fits Guard having like way more resources, that kind of thing. Um, but it's you get an extra three for having everything from the same detach or same just something, just something know. to kind of. Um, it just I don't know. It's one of those things where I just my kind of gut feel yeah. is it. It seems kind of lazy. <clears throat> yeah. Which, and it. When I look at 40k tournaments from the outside in, and, and like I'm not playing a lot of 40k right now because yeah. I'm just not enthused to work on the army or play large games for myself right now. But from the outside looking in, I'm not seeing a lot of variety mm-hmm. in like the top lists. Oh, and you weren't. But th- that's the entire reason that they they came up with this particular FAQ. Do you think this FAQ is actually going to change that? Yeah. Yeah, all the top players are saying that that list is not necessarily dead. And that's the other thing. They don't want to tread on people that, you know, are competitive players and went out and specifically bought these models, and now they're just hot garbage immediately. No, but and it's... I know sorry, that we've Steve, always, I, I want to just clarify here. Hmm. I'm not necessarily referring to that particular list, Yeah. but are we likely going to just see a new paradigm shift towards a new best list? Of course. That's, that everyone plays. That's how these games work. At the top levels, you will see a shift. But, I mean, at the same time, I don't think you're going to see where, like, the top three lists of an event are all exactly identical. Because the previous list was 100% mathematically the best in all situations, right? Now, you don't have guard cap or uh, smash captains that can fly over stuff. Your strategies are more expensive and your... um, that stuff's going down, right? And then, like, Yunari take a bit of a hit back, too, right? Like, they don't have the fly uh, abilities of the Shining Spears. Uh, they're, well, like, not as good. Um, I think it actually does level the playing field, because if you look at the mid-tier 40k tournaments, there's a huge amount of variety, right? It's just that one hyper-competitive list. And you look at, like, uh, the Las Vegas Open or... Uh, Adepticon before Knights came out, Knights were just a mistake in a lot of ways. Like, they were way too good because they are a skew list, right? Like, they don't play like any other army. Um, and yeah, having played quite a bit, I do think that you're going to be seeing um, probably some sort of variant of list that will come out that will, will be good. Um, but I don't know if it'll be as dominant is what I'm getting at. I'd love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> I know I, what you mean. I just think there's potentially some bystanders that got caught in the crosshairs of the FAQ. Yep. Like the Raven Guard, for example, which, again, I'm strongly biased towards. Well, me too. And the other thing is... I just don't see really a lot of incentive to play a Raven Guard list in a way that makes any fucking sense for Raven Guard list anymore. Because you can't do the, a very good job of the thematic list. You need a lot more of the heavy hitters than they can really take. You could you could just play a, a weaker version of Reese's um, Ultramarine list where you just using Devastators and uh, getting a little bit of utility out of your stratagems for Mortal yeah. Wounds. But, again, like, a Raven Guard list that's built around heavy support doesn't feel right. Yeah, I hear you. I get it. Uh, and, I mean, that's the other thing, too, is there are going to be... Or, hey, White Scars. It would be nice to have more than, like, five command points. Yeah. There's... 
there's no way that they can balance every themed list in 40k, and there's a reason why they have narrative play, right? Um, and some armies just aren't going to get there. There's just too much variety in the game to make it all work. Um, I, I think it's a noble idea that we can get there, and eventually this will uh, um, be a perfectly balanced game, but that's just not the case. And the thing is, is I would also encourage you to try uh, try out the Raven Guard. Like, I haven't played um, the new stratagems of move nine inches out of your deployment zone side of things. I can see that potentially having maybe land raiders being useful, right? Like, maybe a land raider with uh, terminators that you can deliver to the enemy, right? Like Land raiders don't get chapter tactics. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's right. So, <laughs> there's that whole thing. Know. I'm just saying, there's probably combos that we haven't thought about, right? Like we, I don't play Raven Guard, yeah. Um, and they've, I, I will give you that they struggle, but I think like my my ad mech, um, I guess it would be still useful if you took something crazy, like if you took a bunch of Leviathan Dreads and shit like that, which again, thematically you shouldn't have, yeah. But they'd be better in some ways, like I don't know. Yeah, it's it depends. Do you want to win? <laughs> And that's the thing we're also talking about, too, is I think we're talking about some stratified level of 40k that we don't usually always play in. There's a lot of player skill that makes up for this sort of stuff, and the reason those lists end up at the top is because they all are really good players, and they need any edge they can to win, right? Because any, yeah. any mistake you make is going to get exploited. I think for the average player, the thing about these facts that strikes me the, as being the most interesting is they really fix the game for the average player, Right? Like, you put out your nice little screen of guardsmen and a captain jumps over and smashes your knight, that that feels bad, right? Like, you've worked to try and get around that. Um, you set up your army in a particular way and some guy just deploys a unit of dragoons off your flank and rolls a bunch of tanks that you thought were totally safe, right? Like, there's a lot of that alpha strike feels bad stuff that they took out of the game. I think but, that's good. But couldn't they have also just done something like oh, change the infiltrate range to 18 inches instead of 9, like it used to be 18? Sure, yeah. I don't know. Like, <coughs> there were ways to tone it down without just giving you the old scout rule, which I always thought was kind of not impressive. Like, as Raven Guard and playing with the Heresy list back in the day, a lot of my units had access to that scout rule for the free move before the game starts. Yeah. And I never really found it as useful as Infiltrator Deep Strike or anything like that. I don't And disagree. I still think it's kind of the case. I don't totally disagree. It just yeah, it, it seemed like there were other ways to fix that rule. Like again, just making it so, like if you made it so that first turn deep strike, you couldn't get within yeah twelve inches instead of eight or nine or whatever. Like yeah. there were ways to tone it down without just taking it completely off the table. And maybe there were still some units that could. Maybe there were like oh well, I can just deep strike in a smash captain and use the three d six charge stratagem. There were still ways to get around it, but I don't know. It's just. It seems like there were definitely some units caught in the crossfire that now are. Just yeah, kind I think of we're. Extra I, think we're I think we're getting into like very specifics around those units, but I think about like my dragoons, and because I was as soon as I read that, I was like completely deflated because that was the whole yeah. thing about dragoons that was cool and and electro priests and drills and that whole thing. But when you think about it, now they have a nine inch move before out of their uh, deployment zone, right? Then they get to move ten and they can still charge, right? So that sets them up for nineteen inches potentially from where they started right off the bat, plus their charge, so a minimum 21. Uh, a lot of the deployment zones in 40K are shorter than 24 now, right, because they're the weird angle ones or the yeah. circle. I think the thread might actually almost be better. Yeah, the thing is... Contextually. 
What I like about this in a lot of ways, though, is it forces me to deploy them as part of the normal deploy procedure, which I thought think is always the part that was a pain in the ass. Yeah, because it was Cause so easy counter to counter by outflanking or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and I agree with you. They could have changed the, the distance, but I actually don't think it's that crippling to a good AdMech player. Yeah. I think it really punishes noob AdMech players kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I get mistakes with it. And maybe it's entirely possible that for me, a lot of the beef here is that they're doing... And, and rightfully so, they can't do everything at once, but they're kind of doing three half-assed changes a year. Yeah. Because they can't, they're doing everything gradually. But, like, we, and most of what they're doing is, they probably already know where most of their points changes are going. Yeah. But they're continually playtesting just to wait and see. Yeah. So we actually don't get the full picture of where they're at in Which the Which I kind of hate, too, because it's difficult to build an army. Which and because when armies cost so much, I know. And yeah. when you have so little room for error with building lists, yeah, it's one of the things that actually keep me out of forty k right now. Where I looked at it, and was like, okay, so like I can build up this army, but then by the time you're done building it, it won't play the same way. It won't play the same way. Maybe the points are different. Although you know what, what armies did make it out surprisingly well, cast demons. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> they did. There was nothing that uh, really affects them. Um, I think the... You're taking Flying Demon Princes, maybe. Yeah. Eh. Yeah, the thing is, I think a lot of people are really... Uh, the other thing about the fly rule is a lot of people are freaking out about it, but it really only hurts, like, Smash Captains, right? Because, like, my big unit of Shining Spears, you couldn't fit it in those gaps jumping over people. It was, like, a single 32-mil base or a single Demon Prince that was easier to jump And even then, a Demon Prince is still a pretty large-sized yeah. base, so if you're deploying... If you got your models down remotely... yeah. Well, like it's not going to matter. What also is interesting, though, now too, is it makes it does make gun lines a little bit better. Like one of the things that was always difficult with my ad mech with the Castellans is I put on my screen and say I'm playing Magnus or Morty, and my screen is right in front of where he can move and then charge. Right, he could just jump that screen. So I had to have my models like kind of in a weird position so that he couldn't land on me. So I had to force them off that direction and then make the charge further. Now it's a little bit easier to deal with your your gun lines. So people that do play more static armies don't have to deal with the micro-positioning of all the weird fly stuff. Yeah. I also... The other one is, I don't really like the the new turn two rule. Because um, cover giving the plus one armor save in this game... Do you mean turn two or the going second? The thing? going second thing. Yeah. Um, is great for power armor. Yep. It's great for anyone with a four-up. Great for anybody with a tank. Vehicles. Yep. But, like... Again, biased, but, like, orcs... Don't give a shit, really. Uh, the, I don't we'll, know. we'll see how it comes out with the codex, but like, maybe it's your whole army, so that includes all your vehicles. We'll see what their saves are like, but like, it's hard to say. Lower armor save armies, yeah, don't, don't feel the same benefit that the for sure, yeah, like your demons. armor save, like your demons, yeah. Well, demons, it, that rule is completely useless for demons. It has zero impact. Yeah, but I mean that also makes sense though because demons weren't particularly struggling with that sort of stuff because they had all sorts of ways to show up all over the board. Yeah, like deep striking. Nope. Yeah, but that, honestly, <laughs> the deep striking thing that everybody's freaking out about, uh, one of the things that Gain Nick was talking about, um, who's a decent player, was saying, never deep strike your stuff turn one. Like, that was something that top players weren't doing at the beginning of 40k anyways because you have no ability to react to the changing game. Like, if you have a, a scalpel unit, you're going to deep strike, don't throw it right off the bat. Because then you have nothing to change the flow of the game or react with. Uh, that's why you put those units in reserve. And that's one of the things that I've actually been finding 
super useful. Is I again one of the problems with Admech is you commit right off the bat and people can immediately spend six turns countering you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're blowing your wad pretty early if you do it yeah. that way. But I mean, you could also just have more than one deep striking unit, right? Have yeah. bring one in. And then have one that can be saved to be a reserve reactionary yeah, force. Yeah, the second unit is three command points, so it's it's significantly more yeah. uh, expensive to do that. So that's the whole the whole shtick there. Yeah. No, and the other thing too is play some games. I know that's in this crowd that's a bit hard <laughs> to get people to play some games, especially competitive 40k. But uh, I I like the changes so far. I, I do wish there was the only complaint that I have is I wish there was a themed uh, benefit, like a game. Take everything from the same codex, you get three extra command points. I don't know. Or something. Yeah, that's yeah. my only complaint. Um, yeah, and I mean, who knows what chapter chapter approved is three months away. So yeah, I guess chapter approved theoretically could change the force org or CP generation system again. Yep, a lot of these things are beta rules. They're not going to print yeah. them yet. They only get finalized once they're in chapter approved, really. So we'll see. But yeah, there's 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 things to like. There's a few things to raise eyebrows at. But yep, all in all, it's better. Hopefully. Okay, so, who wants to talk about some plants? I think you do. Well, but, <laughs> come on. Hopefully more of us, not just Tom. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Why don't you talk about your wood? Yeah, one of the things that, uh, um, now that I've started, uh, probably, like, way late into my gaming career of looking at painting models, not necessarily for competition, but for display. Yeah. I think is the way that I would describe it, is... They look way better on plinths than they do on a base. Um, so, what do you guys think? Like, makes a good plinth or makes a bad plinth or things you've seen that you love or hate or. I think one of the quick things to get off the bat early is just the notion that a plinth doesn't automatically um, make your model look better because there's like the model composition itself. There's a lot of other elements to consider. Mm-hmm. So, the size, the color, the wood grain, the texture, girth. Oh, girth matters. You damn, you damn right about that. But there's there are all these other things that you have to consider. So you can't just slap any model on any plinth and have it be automatic. Like there was a selection process. So compositionally, it needs to tie in there. Um, so I think that's something just to mention right off the bat. But um, so the other thing too is plinths don't have to be just pieces of like um, stained wood. Um, there are. And I think comp- uh, composition also kind of is a thing. Like the um, Infinity busts, they come with a very industrial uh, metal, like just bent metal um, stand, mm-hmm. which I think fits those kind of models, right? Um, if you're painting a you know knight in shining armor, I totally would understand throwing them on a on a wood plinth kind of thing. Something just for a little, little bit of contrast. contrast. I, I, yeah. I agree. I think it's it's very subjective. Like your um, Spock there, like I think that fits for the way that he was uh, displayed on the plinth. And for a bust, you might want to have just, like, the focus. You don't want uh, the focus to be on, like, the block wood that the bust yeah. happens to be on, right? So the the industrial, um, just the metal look uh, for that would, would work way better, too. So. How about you, Mike? Have you ever, like, done much stuff with plinths before? Or? Zero right now. <laughs> to be honest, I, I, I thought, eh, I should do that. It looks, it looks better when it's on that. But I'm like... I've only got two models that right now for that. Are they some of the Infinity ones? One is the Infinity one, and one is the Solomon Kane. I won from uh, Dallas, the first painting when he had at um, Warhammer. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's one of the things that 
uh, is really nice to keep in mind, too, is, is like, the size of the plinth relative to the size of the model. Like, you don't want to have one of those, like, 8-inch plinths with, like, a single 28mm model on the top. Yeah. Because it'll look fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> I think you also need to make sure your plinth fits your basing if you are going to use uh, the plinth to be the actual, like, uh, substrate for the textured base. Um, like, your Spock model here, if you decided to use just, like, a, a black uh, painted a piece of wood instead with a, the uh, just the sand on top, I think it would probably have uh, less warmth. It might look okay, but you're definitely going to change how the model feels. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's also something to take into account. Yeah, I think, like, when in doubt, a straight-up, like, satin black plant is probably never going to be a bad idea. No. Um, but you are right. Like, you're, you're framing the model in a way that... Um, should never feel like it's interacting with the environment of the model. Like, mm-hmm. we talk a lot about um, black rims on bases where you're creating this arbitrary, this is where the universe starts. Yeah. Uh, on the top of the base, and, like, the side doesn't actually or should not actually be part of that interaction. Um, but on the plinth, like, because it is a larger area, like, you're right, like, depending on what type of stain you've got on the wood. Yeah. Um, even what kind of wood. Oh, that yeah. makes a massive difference. Um, the grain of the wood, too. The other thing that's uh, I've heard people talk about is the directionality of the grain. Um, like, one of the things that I do like about this, and I don't know if you actually thought about it, but the grain of the wood is vertical, and the model's quite upright, so it actually does fit. Oh, if it was turned 90 degrees, it would look insane. Yeah, it, it does actually mess with your, your brain a bit when you have, like, bizarre patterns like that. Um, so that's something to think about, too, is the actual grain pattern. Um I don't think this would have looked good if you had, like, a really light particular wood with really strong grain and, a, like, a swirly type pattern. It would look very bizarre in my mind. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to matching your wood finish to the model, right? Like, yeah. if you had a really dark model, a really light plinth means you're only going to be seeing the plinth. Yeah, exactly. Right, whereas a lighter model can get away with yeah. maybe a lighter, gnarlier plinth. Again, coming back to those fantasy scenes, if you wanted to have some sort of, like, uh, really... I've seen other, par- uh, other plinths where people have done... Uh, like left the knots in the plinth and uh, a section of the plinth is actually kind of half missing. Yeah, there's, uh, there's uh, definitely like the, ones the gnarled sort of like yeah. kind of texture and whatever. So yeah. yeah, I've seen that. Or even if they've got it kind of like blocked in and then fill it with the resin. Yeah, so it's like a water sort of effect in that sort yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, that that um, was something that I was well. I was saving to kind of work into the conversation a little later. It, there too are, late, beach to it. There are people that do um, instead of just having like a perfectly squared off you know, square, rectangular, cylindrical, whatever, uh, plinth, they will keep that really rough uh, texture from the edge of the wood and then actually turn that into, like, a rock formation for a diorama or something like that. So that is definitely something that you can do as well, and that requires, I think, even more careful selection of the wood and, um, again, the composition of the piece like that. There's a lot more complexity there, and doing it right is going to be important. (laughs) But it's very different from... You know, the idea of just having that square block with a base on top of it. Yeah, Ward, did you take uh, any of Seth's um No, I haven't, taken any, of, I haven't taken any of Seth's classes. Apparently he's very good so. at that, uh, that yeah. exact sort of stuff, is using the plinth to actually form the, the structure of the base. I know that him and Matt are doing a bunch of classes, I think, in California right now mm. with that, kind of both working in tandem, so... Interesting. So, that I mean, that... I think his classes would be one that I would want to check out for sure. So, yep. And I know, like, the LVO does have quite a bit of uh, <clears throat> plinths that they, they do for sale. I think CK Studios 
Uh, does a bunch from Caleb. Yeah, this is the other thing. Where do you get uh, so, plants? So. so I totally forgot his business card. Do you have it on you by any chance? Not here, no. Uh, one of the guys at the painting class, uh, his name's Steve Knox. If you want to check him out on Facebook, we'll find the information and get it to you. Um, he actually, his like side business is making like high end men's jewelry. Interesting. And so he does a lot of like cufflinks with exotic woods in them. Yeah. And he started getting into making plinths. And so this is actually one of his. Interesting. And he charges, I think it was like 12 bucks a plinth or two for 20. Mm-hmm. And they come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes, finishes, grains. Um, he's mostly sticking to maple, but he's looking at branching out a few other things. He did <laughs> branching. <laughs> right? Um, oh. He did felt the bottom as well already. So, like, it was basically good to go. I just taped it up, did the texture on top, glued them on, called it a day. Yeah, the price was definitely extremely reasonable on that. Um, You know, the other plinth I've got here is uh, Dallas got them done up for the AMSA stuff, so I definitely Mm -hmm. thought it was worthwhile using that on one of the AMSA figures. Yeah, for sure. Um, Some busts you buy will come with plinths, like the Blackheart uh, bust that I have comes with a resin plinth that it's already, like, mounted into. Quit taking it in and out. I can do it. It's my model. It's my choice. Um... (laughs) Uh, but no, so like some models will come with them. Uh, I think I'm a big fan of less is more when it comes to plants. Yeah. Like just keep it simple. I agree. There's a reason why I, so one of the things is plants are, I find are hard to find, uh, like a one that you actually like and are, is reasonably priced and that kind of thing. And I also do really like, um, the plant either definitely be an integral part of the model or just don't do it at all which is why I really liked the the metallic stands yeah um, so they just are as minimal as possible um, disappear into the model can't really see them that kind of thing just a little bit of elevation to get them off the uh, surface of whatever you're displaying them on um, so that I liked um, however I also think plinths work a lot better when you're trying to set a scene yep so if you are actually going to base the top of the plinth like the 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 beaver one I like because you've got the Alberta um, AMSA logo on it, I think that makes sense. But I I like the Spock one more. Oh yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Well, the the reality was with the with the beaver fig, it was all about just kind of the thematic connection of everything. Yeah. And, and in all honesty, what I would have preferred to do is I also got a, a plinth that is uh, it's basically like um, this one here, but the top is cut on a. 45 degree angle yeah. down, I don't know, about halfway so it has a tapered top and, and then like a brass rod in the middle a brass rod coming straight out the middle which I actually think for like a flat bust would look really good Yep. Like I was actually thinking about putting this model on that bust until I was like, fuck it AMSA, yeah for sure, made sense <clears throat> Yeah. so that the, the bust itself is not as stuck to the block of wood because like I don't love how it's just the bust just it's just glued to a piece of wood yeah you know it doesn't have that like separation or presentation because the reality is on the Spock one uh, because there's texture and and like the the top of the plinth is the environment that Spock exists in it makes sense yeah whereas the piece of wood has zero interaction with the with the bust yeah yeah I guess that's an in- interesting distinction to make as well the ones where the plinth is the base versus the one where the base is sitting on top of the plinth Yep. I guess that's two very different ways of thinking about how the, the plinth is structured. Yeah. And having that um, that brass rod or whatever to, to separate, and you kind of get that floating effect. Mm-hmm. It can be an interesting um, little effect if the, bo- if the base isn't actually the plinth itself. Yep. 
that makes sense. I would say, if you're using a plinth, just don't use the plastic base that the model has. Yes. It always I looks cheesy. I could not agree more. Cut off the pegs or whatever's on the feet of the thing and put it right on the... Or sink plinth. it in. Yeah. Or sink it into the surface. Yeah, and like Even then... If you pull it off, which is hard to do, if you pull it off and you just have that tiny little ring... But if it's well blended in, it can still look really cool and still double as a gaming piece. Yeah, but generally, also, if you're doing plinths, you're not worried about dual purpose. I was also going to say figure. Uh, a plinth for a gaming figure. I, I can understand like a diorama for a squad if you're going to do it with a squad like that, and also then reset uh, recess them all in. If you're going to put a single 28 mil fig on a plinth, yeah. But haven't there been times yeah. where I don't know if it's currently the case, but. I think there may have been some game stay rules where they had to be on the game legal base. So if you're going to include a plinth, the model, the base sure. would have to be integrated that's into a, the plinth somehow. That's, but that's Games Workshop fuckery yeah, at that point. I don't know about that. Uh, I mean, sure. I, I don't think that would be a case that I would be uh, debating here, if that makes sense. Yeah, because that's not really an artistic choice. That's a very practical. Yeah. I need it to be legal for this competition that I'm doing it for. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I don't think that's really the case anymore, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so anyways, I'm going to have to pick up... Uh, I've, been, I've been thinking about... I've got a couple of models that might need a plinth, specifically the cowgirl uh, Amsa figure. Um, I still haven't based her specifically because I'm not sure what I'm doing with that, so... We'll see. Yeah, and so Steve, he said he's going to be updating his website to have, like, a plinths section on it, because currently it doesn't. Yeah. So as soon as we get that information, we'll pass it on to everybody. Um, I think it's pretty cool. I do want to just make one, one like, kind of last little point of there's a difference between painting a competition piece and a display piece, and I think that, like, maybe a lot of people are intimidated from doing something with just more of, like, that composition of the environment, of, like, it not being a gaming piece in mind, because they're worried about their skill or anything else. It doesn't have to be something you do to get judged by someone else. Just do it that makes you happy. Yeah. And that you can, that you're proud to display on your shelf um, and fuck whatever anyone else thinks. Like, just have fun with the model, take that step back, and, because, honestly, that's where I was for these ones, and it was, it was really nice to just not worry about, like, Oh, okay, there's like this little thing that I should probably tweak to like make it perfect. Fuck it. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's. I feel like they, they both have the right mood for what they need. Yeah. And that's really all I was going for, right? Yeah, totally. So. I agree. But that's really the end of the day. It comes down to what is the mood of the scene. Yeah. Yep. Um, any last plinthiness from anybody? Well, I guess just for me, the other thing to keep in mind with it is it's very much like picking out a picture frame for something you're going to hang on the wall. Like, it's the same kind of mindset of something that you you want it to, like, fit in and not distract from the image itself. So, yeah, yeah it's just, I don't know. To me, it's there is a lot of thought that has to go into it just to make sure that you're not detracting from the model along the way. Yeah. But if you can keep it relatively simple and uh, and cohesive, then it can, it can definitely add a lot to the model for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be, like, the wood block or a piece of, like, metal. Like, there's quite a few, like companies that will do the the resin inserts as well or like a actual like resin piece yep. uh, that you can use as a plinth the forge world um, character series is probably one of the best examples of it with uh, some of the primarchs and such uh, yeah. so you can actually set them up as the display pieces mm-hmm. um, and then yeah not a also, true like plinth as per se but I, yeah I agree with what you're then, saying and then you can take them out and use them as game pieces because again their base is kind of like built in 
with enough. So yeah, if you magnetize them so they kind of clip on around the, the base. Yeah, you can't even yeah. tell. Those ones are so well done, you yeah. cannot even tell that they're separate. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, it totally depends on, like, what you want the piece to be, a display piece that you're going to put in the cabinet and show off and have it be kind of a conversation piece as people kind of come by and check it all out. Or um, do you want to use it also as a gaming piece? So there's lots of options. Yep, I agree. Cool. All right. Um, well, I want to, I guess, just finish things off by doing uh, another reminder that we are a podcast that does not actually um, have really much in the way of revenue when we are looking at, like... <laughs> we don't have advertisers. No. no, we have zero advertisers, and so we end up paying for all of our um, hosting and everything else out of pocket. Yeah. We do have the Threadless uh, store that you can go to the hobbynight.ca. There's the shopping cart at the top right. Um, so we do appreciate you guys checking out the store, seeing if there's any stuff in there. Oh my God, there's a lot of shit. Like I know we talked about it before, yeah. but you got basically anything from t-shirts to baby clothes to sh- like shower curtains, like and everything in between. Yeah, anything Threadless makes, we can uh, you can print our logo on it. Yeah, so like notebooks, coil bound scribblers, um, dice bags, pencil case type I'm things that you can put brushes bags. in. Yeah, zipper dice bags. Yes, which are far more uh, useful than the drawstring dice bags that invariably never stay closed. Yes. <laughs> so <Correct>. that's fair, <laughs> right? Um, so please check that out. Um, if you like, if you've been enjoying the podcast, like buy some swag and show it off. Yep, check us out on Instagram as well, Hobby Night in Canada. Uh, and yeah, tell your friends, support us. Yeah, right. Because uh, that way we can keep doing this. Uh, it's not like we're gonna stop or anything, but like it'd be nice <laughs> if we didn't have to pay to do this for you guys to listen to uh, one, day, one day we're gonna start charging our listeners we'll have a pay gateway and I bet you we'll go to one listener and it'll be like me <laughs> <laughs>